The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Daniel, the second chapter. 
In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams in his mind, and it was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians and the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream. It troubles me. I want to know what it means. The astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magicians or enchanters or astrologers. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. I read that story and my heart is quickly brought right into the presence of God. Because Many of you have lived your life to this point believing, pardon me, that it's too difficult to ask God and expect him to heal the sick or to change your situation or to take away the pain and anguish of your heart. Some of you today are suffering Some of you are suffering in your bodies. You're sick. And you're putting up with it because you don't see any way out of it. Some of you today are suffering without a job because you've lost your job in this economy. You don't know what you're going to do to survive. You're out of credit card space. You're you're deep in debt. What's going to happen? Some of you have been rejected by family or friends and you're 
and your wife has perhaps left you or your husband has left you, you've been abandoned. Maybe your husband or wife has died and you're living in great anguish and pain in your heart. I've talked to so many people in the last week who are in real crisis in their hearts, in their lives. They don't know which way to go. And of course, the philosophy is no one can reveal this except the gods, and they don't live among men. Are you close enough to God to get an answer? And have you pressed through for that answer? Most of the time, most Americans include God in an already full life. And so we want all of the entertainment of our life. We want the work and the earning of money and the success, the prosperity, the cars, the houses. We want stuff. We want things until we're stricken down with sorrow with sickness, with brokenness. And we say, what are we going to do? What's the answer? Suffer. We all suffer. We pray. We ask friends to pray, and they all say, yes, I'll pray. But most of us don't know one person who can pray and get a very clear answer in the physical realm. I have read with great interest the stories, remarkable miracles by C.J. Bevington. The book is falling apart. I've shared stories on the air before from his book. I need to order a new one. I've worn it out. I've loaned it out. It's beat up. Pages are coming out of it. Well, why has that captured me? Because C.J. Bevington would pray until he got an answer. I mean, he canceled everything, and he prayed until he got an answer. Reese Howell's The Intercessor is another book I have it right here. It's another book that is, the pages are coming out. I read it. Every time I read it, the Holy Spirit inspires my heart. Well, what interests me in that? These two men operated differently in the Spirit, but both men could go into the presence of God and stay there until he answered in the physical realm. I'm interested in in being able to pray and God answering in the physical realm. And there are some areas where he has granted me victory, and I pray, and I wait on the Lord, And he very clearly answers in the physical realm. The physical realm changes. 
because of my prayer. But I'm just a beginner in this prayer. How do we come into the presence of God and stay there until we have an answer? You know, I'm, I don't mean to be negative, but I am so tired of the so-called prophets who in their arrogance and their dancing on the stage, in their prophetic utterances that you know are just nonsense. There's no truth in them. They're like the prophets of the Old Testament, so many of them. They can say all kinds of things, but because they say it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And frankly, very seldom have I heard a prophet say anything that came to pass. It's not everyone. There have been some people in my life, when they have spoken, it has taken place. Well, this story of Nebuchadnezzar having the dream and then demanding that they tell him the dream, which no man could do, because there's an assumption, and the assumption is God does not live among men. That's forgetting that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem and he dwelt among men. And he's coming again. Now the question is, can you reach Jesus in the prayer closet? I've learned through some very painful, painful times that when I pray, I need to go into the prayer closet and stay there until I get my answer. I want to read for you one of the promises that has meant so very much to me. It's found in Mark, the 11th chapter. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. He's not lying. He's telling us the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, we're clear this is in the context of being a disciple of Jesus, of knowing what his will is and obeying that will. He's just rebuked the leaders of the temple, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he said, you have made my house into a den of thieves. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. There's that caveat about other people. And then if we go to Luke, the 11th chapter, Luke, the 11th chapter, he teaches us how to pray. 
with the Lord's Prayer. And it's very clear that the Lord's Prayer is about praying and participating with the Holy Spirit in the bringing forth of the kingdom of God on the earth. Then he said to them, suppose one of you had a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will get up, and he will give him the bread, because not because he's his friend, but because of the man's boldness. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, it's not until we are brought into a place where we recognize that we have no answers, that God is sought out. In this situation in Daniel's life, the guard has gone out to begin gathering the wise men in preparation for their execution. And he comes to Daniel, and Daniel speaks with wisdom and tact, and he says, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And so it's explained to Daniel Daniel goes to the king. I don't think he probably reached the king, but one of the official officers, and he asked for time that he might interpret the dream for him. What the king really wants is the dream to be interpreted. He doesn't want to kill these men. He wants his dream interpreted. So Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Those were the Babylonian names. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. I don't like it, but it seems that we have to actually reach the end of everything before we're ready to really begin to pray. And most of you have not reached the end of anything yet. You still have your health and your time and your money. But some of you have reached kind of an end. You're sick or you're you're in pain or something very hard has happened in your life. But you can tough your way through it. I spoke with a friend this morning, his wife. The the side of her jaw, that connecting place between the lower and the upper jaw has disintegrated and her jaw has slid all the way over to the right. 
and she's now going through the medical treatment to restore that jaw to its proper place. And it's excruciating pain, week after week, month after month, in in deep pain. And my friend said to me, you know, that's, Ray, that's just how it is. We have to suffer. This world is a place of suffering. I don't know what to do except love her. I have a a dear brother who broke his back in a construction project on his home. He's had a number of surgeries, and he's still in pain. Does my precious brother have to live the rest of his life with a five or six level pain? Sometimes eight or nine level pain? Is that his life? I'm not in pain. I have a bit of an infection in my right eye. It's an old-fashioned kind of sty. I don't know how it came about. What should I do about it? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to run to the doctor. I've been to a doctor. I could count on one hand the number of times I've been to a doctor in my life in 76 years. I don't say that with any pride. I say that because Jesus has been, in fact, my doctor. When I've been sick, I've prayed, and the Lord has healed me. But I want to read a passage for you out of Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50, I want to begin with verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Well, I fear the Lord. And I'm doing everything in my power to obey the word of his servant, Jesus. Then it says, Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Well, is it sin to walk in darkness? Yes, if that sin is caused, if that darkness is caused by sin. But if the darkness is just physical breakdown, if the darkness is some kind of crisis with job or or family, some crisis with sickness. You don't know what to do. You're walking in the dark. You don't, you don't see a way through this. You always have options and try them and try them and try them, but finally, the pain and the anguish are just overcoming your heart and your mind and depressing you. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to, where to go. Who do I talk to? Who can help me? Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. 
that is, put all of his weight down on his God. Now, part of what I've learned about this through the years is that that literally means I begin to wait on God and I begin to take promises of Scripture. The Mark 11, the Luke passage in Luke 11 and many other promises of healing Isaiah 63, by his stripes we are healed. You begin to take those promises and you begin to pray those scriptures before the Lord. And you recognize that you don't know what to do. And that if the Lord doesn't rescue you, you will not be rescued. This situation will only grow worse. And the crisis will only increase unless you have toughened yourself up and you're just saying, hey, I'm, I'm just going to go. You know, the saying that the old pastor Robert Schuler used to come up with, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, I've tried that. It doesn't work. My orientation as an American is if something's not working, push harder. Try harder. Talk to other people. Get other ideas. Work out a a strategy. Figure out what the first principles are of this painful crisis and then go for it. In the meantime, you're in anguish and pain and don't know which way to turn. He's saying, if you don't know which way to turn, turn to the Lord. Put your trust in his promises. But now I've I've learned something that I'm not excited about, but it is one of the ways of heaven. It is one of the ways of our Lord Jesus. I remember when my late wife was dying of cancer and a brother came over to pray with me and I was spending much time in prayer and fasting before the Lord. But I still had going the ministry and the radio. I just finally dropped off the radio to care for her physically. But I was still preaching every weekend and holding meetings and visiting people. As I was praying, the Lord spoke to me. He said to me, you're too big for me to heal Jan. Well, I told the brother who was praying with me that the Lord had just said that. It was so disturbing to him that he quickly left. And then when Jan died, he left the church. I understand Well, I don't want to be too big for God to answer my prayers. And part of what God does is by the Holy Spirit, he comes 
while I'm standing on the promises of God, he comes and stands on me because he has an agenda he wants to deal with my heart on. He may want me to turn off the television. That was one of the things many years ago the Lord told me. He may want me to stop listening to the political videos, which I have stopped doing. He he may want me to not turn the radio on when I'm driving in the car. And of course, I've done that. I have increasingly isolated myself to the Spirit of God, getting quiet, quiet, quiet before Him. He said to me something very interesting. It was shocking to me. He said it audibly. He said to me, I will accomplish more in one day in your ministry than you've accomplished in your entire lifetime. That was shocking to me. I'm so invested, I say this with shame, I am still so invested in doing the work God has called me to do that somehow I have been blind to the awesome presence and power of Almighty God for what He wants to do in the earth. I don't think I'm alone in that. I think many of you are also too big for God to answer your prayers. And if we finally begin, which I am beginning, to get quiet enough before God and turn off the noise of the world, turn off the noise of my own mind, turn off the noise of people, with the direct intention of listening to direction from the Holy Spirit, then I will hear from God. Now, this Isaiah passage continues, but now, that is, now those of you who are in the dark and don't know what you're supposed to do, those of you who are too big in your own idea, too proud, too arrogant. But now all of you who light fires, what's he talking about? In that day, you lit a torch. You lit your way in the dark. You are in the dark. You're stumbling around. You don't know which way to go. You don't know what to do. You're in crisis. You're You're hurting. He's saying, now all of you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fire and of the torches you've set ablaze. And this is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. Well, sometimes I have lain down in torment of mind and heart 
even body. Because I figured I knew how to do it. I knew what the answer was. Part of the issue right now with with the radio broadcast is that I'd like to be on many more stations. I'd like this message to go out to a much wider audience. So I am called and offered at a very cheap price other cities like Pittsburgh or others in America. I know that I could buy a month of time and people would hear the gospel message and then they would begin to contribute and we would cover the cost. And we could grow a ministry. But see, I'm not here to grow a ministry. I'm here to obey the word of the living God. And he's not told me to do that. In fact, he's told me to be quiet and wait on him. He's told me to do this broadcast, to hold a small service on Sunday, to talk with people as he brings them to me, but I'm to wait on the Lord. I'm not to go out and light my own torch. Even for the work of the gospel, I'm not to light my own torch or figure out, okay, this is the next big idea. Let's let's get this going. Let's do a rah-rah. Let's see if we can have people step in and begin to help make this happen. No, I can't do it. Because I don't want to lie down in torment. I've spent too much time in misery. I don't want to do that anymore. Now, some of you today are in torment, physical, spiritual, relationships, work. And the reason you're in torment is one of two reasons. Either God is allowing you to be tested, and in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us to pray that we not be taken into temptation, or that word in the Greek is parasmus, or piercing, that we not be taken into the piercings or the testings, and that we be delivered from the agony of what happens when we're tested. That's why we're in the misery, or we're in the misery because we've just followed our own path, our own course, building, even building the church, building a business, building whatever we desire to build and and feel confident we're able to make this happen. And so off we go to make it happen. And when it's beginning to crash, we lie down in torment because we lit our own torches and we went our own way. And I know it's the American way. You light your own torch. You don't wait on God. And I say to you that the Lord has spoken to me sometimes audibly. Many people say, Pastor, I don't believe that. I don't believe God speaks today. Well, that's to deny the scriptures. I'm not going to walk through those scriptures today, but Jesus did say that his sheep know his voice. 
and the apostles certainly heard the voice of the Lord in vision, by the Holy Spirit in dreams. He spoke with them. Now, I don't know what your situation is, but Daniel's is dire. Daniel is going to be executed if he cannot reach God. Some of you are so far away from God that it would take several months before you'd be close enough that God would hear your prayer. So you shoot prayers at heaven. You pray publicly. Maybe you say some polite prayers when you're with other people. But bottom line, you're so far away from God You've lit your own torches. You're going your own way. You provide yourself with your own entertainment, with the world's lust and life. You might die before you could get to God. Daniel is in a place where if he cannot get to God quickly, he's going to be executed. For no reason of his own, he's going to be executed. Now he goes home and he tells his three friends, if we cannot reach God, he's, the king is going to kill us. He's going to execute us. The order has already been given. I've asked for a little time. Now either God answers us or we die. Now I tell you, when you're in that position... You're ready to pray. Now, I find that that people pray most generally. They pray because they have to pray. And usually, God doesn't answer those prayers because we're so far away from him and we're so caught in our own attitudes and our own wickedness of heart that he's not going to answer us. Now, in his mercy, he will answer prayers sometimes. I've seen sinful, wicked men and women in great crisis pray, and instantly they're delivered. Not often, but sometimes. It's almost guessing by golly. Okay, we'll pray, but we don't know if we're going to get an answer. What I'm talking about is something different. I'm talking about not providing ourselves with flaming torches, waiting upon the Lord, not jumping. Some of you jump from job to job. You jump from a a frying pan into a, a fire. Stop jumping. Stay in the job you're in until the Lord gives you clear direction about what the next job is and then move cautiously as the Lord leads you. Don't marry quickly. Wait upon the Lord. Trust Him to expose everything that needs to be exposed. Trust in the name of the Lord. Don't light your own fires because you're lonely. I've been there. I've done that. And I've lain down in torture. 
Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you've been hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one. And I blessed him, and he became many. Verse 6, this is Isaiah 51, verse 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants will die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. Hear me, you who know what is right, you people who have my laws in your hearts. Do not fear the reproach of men or be terrified by their insults. My righteousness will last forever my salvation through all generations. So here's Daniel. He's going to die if God does not answer. And so they begin to pray. Earnestly. Crying out to God, knowing it's life and death for them. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And Daniel then began to praise the God of heaven. He said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and I praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you, and you have made known to us the dream of the king. Suddenly God has placed the key of knowledge in Daniel's hands. I've walked this so many times, and yet I'm still a child, where I have had to hear from God, and I've cried aloud to him, and nothing happened. And I continued waiting upon him and crying out, earnestly crying out, fasting, waiting on God, and nothing happened. Sometimes I've prayed for a year. Sometimes I've prayed for several years. Sometimes I've prayed for one hour. And God answers. And with one sweep of his hand, everything is changed. I want you to understand who we're dealing with. We are dealing with the mighty God of heaven. We are not dealing with a political operative. We are not dealing with feel-good people. We are dealing with a holy, mighty God of heaven and earth who created all of this. Nothing is too hard for God. 
No sickness is too severe that he cannot heal and utterly, totally restore. Your body may be crippled with arthritis or with some other problem. You may be blind. You may have lost your eyesight. I can tell you today, nothing is too hard for God. If you will put your trust and your confidence, if you will do as it says in Isaiah 50, and you will you will rely, you will put your and recognize that you are trusting in the name of Jesus, the Lord. And you are not going to turn aside from that. You are not going to listen to the lies of the devil or the people who say, shut up, it can't happen. There is nothing too hard for God. I have seen in my life such incredible miracles of grace. And I'm going to be honest with you or transparent with you. I am still a child in spiritual things. And I am coming to the Lord, and I am asking him for the grace to be able to pray through for the sickness of other people. I'm asking him for the gift of the Holy Spirit for healing the pain and the anguish and the sorrow of other people. He's done that for me. I mean, this, this eye that's giving me difficulty, that's like a sty, started happening last night. Yes, I've put hot compresses on it, but that wasn't the important part. I covered my eye with my hand. I rebuked this infection in the name of Jesus, and I commanded it to depart from me. That I would not accept it, and I would not have it. It's not the will of Jesus that I be sick. It's not the will of Jesus that I have infection. It's not the will of Jesus that you be sick unless you are being pierced through because there is a question that the Lord wants to have cleared up in your life. Now, you can just write off what I'm saying is crazy and go about your life and, and walk in the flesh and light your own fires and do your own deal. But I want to tell you, you can't have your own fire, your own torch, and Jesus too. You can have religion. You can even pray. You can give your tithe. You can give offerings, alms. You can take care of the poor. Many pagan people take care of the poor people. It's not just Christians. Many Muslims are very generous with the poor. Not just Christians. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I invite you to come and do the same thing that I'm doing. 
not just emotionally or intellectually say, I'm going all the way with Jesus. That's important. Not just grounding the sword of rebellion and opposition and sin, and that's very important. I can't overemphasize we must be holy before a holy God, for no one will see the Lord without holiness. But we must also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in fullness if we are going to bring about the kingdom of God on the earth. And so I pray for people. I pray for people who are in pain. I pray for people who are sick. Sometimes they immediately respond and report to me, Pastor, I have wonderful news. The Lord heard your prayer. And all this week I've lived without pain. Well, that's a wonderful thing. That's exciting to me. But I want a much greater anointing of being able to pray for the sick because I see such anguish and such pain. And I see such such emotional pain and brokenness. Broken marriages. Now, you're young and you're strong and you're virile and you can go and you're going to do your deal and you're going to be somebody and you've got your bucket list and you've got your to-do list and you've got everything lined okay go light your own torches go your own way take what wisdom you can take from the scriptures take what wisdom you can take from other wise people who have strapped for success but in the end you will lie down and torture the word says it i believe it i've experienced it i've watched it i'm old enough to have walked with many people who walk in this We've got to get to Jesus. We've got to get to Jesus. And you're not going to get to Jesus and to everything in the world. You're not going to get to Jesus and to the TV and to the games and to the recreation that is worldly. You're not going to get there. And can I be honest? Some of you, if you were placed right now in a severe medical crisis, you would die before you could get to Jesus because you are too far away from him to get there in time. Well, we're out of time for today. I'm going to continue this story tomorrow. We need to come to a place where we recognize that if we don't get to Jesus, we're going to die. I'm there. I know that. I know that the work of the gospel cannot go forward without the Lord of the harvest being in charge of it. I hope this has been helpful to you. If it is, would you subscribe to our station to our uh, YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube. Would you share it with friends? And again, I'm coming to praise God that the month of June is covered and we're now receiving offerings uh, to cover the month of July, which is coming up tomorrow. So my brother, my sister, God bless you. You can give online at nationalprayerchapel.com. 
That's nationalprayerchapel.com. There is all the information you'll need to write to us. I'd love to hear from you. I've so appreciated some of the letters that I've received. You can write to me at at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. A thank you to Richard Boyd, to, to Chris, to Alice, to our sister, our sister Leslie, Twyla, God bless all of you. Thank you for your wonderful letters. What are you going to do to get close to Jesus? Lord, I just bring my brothers and sisters, and I know it's time to get to you. I know that such suffering is going to come upon this world such trauma that people are going to drop like flies. They're going to die like flies. Lord, please help us get to you quickly. Doing whatever it takes. Lord, thank you. Bless those who listen today. Give them very specific direction. I pray in your holy name. Amen. God bless you, brother, sister. I'll talk to you soon.